to the Michelob Ultra Golf Show with Jeff Kolpak on 740 The Fan and 107.3 FM. That's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! The Golf Show is presented to you by Michelob Ultra. Also brought to you in part by Fargo Park District Public Golf Courses, Barnesville Grocery, Moorhead Parks, Forest Hills Golf Course, and Wildflower Golf. Here it comes. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow! In your life have you seen anything like that? Now, let's head to the first tee. This guy's pretty good. And here's your host, Jeff Kolpak. And it is certainly my pleasure to bring you the last edition of the Golf Show in May. It's been already going strong for two months. It's been such a blast, and we still have the summer to go. So a lot of golf ahead of us. Later in the show, Corey Herlickson is a head professional at Oxbow Country Club in South Fargo. Corey will give us an update on what's going on down there, and 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 maybe we'll delve into a little PGA Tour mind because um, uh, Corey is a uh, like all professionals in this area follows it closely and has a lot of good uh, observations on the tour. But we're going to start with another tour. It's specifically, it is the Epson Tour on the LPGA circuit. And pleased to be joined by for the first time this year, Kate Smith, a Detroit Lake standout, University of Nebraska graduate. Now making a go of it on in professional golf. Good morning, Kate. Good morning. Thanks for having me today. Well, I got to start uh, like a like a where's Waldo? Okay, where's where's Kate Smith these days? Um, we're on a second second tour event of a two week stretch in um, Orlando, Florida, mm-hmm. at Mission Inn Resort. Okay, that's where I am. Let's rewind a little bit, and not everybody knows that uh, you hit the professional golf after your season last year at Nebraska. How has life treated you up to this point? It's been good. I uh, I don't have too many complaints. Um, I've had a lot of support in my start. Uh, I'll say it's been really tough, but mm-hmm. uh, rewarding at the same time. So we're we're eight events in. To our season um it's been eight events and only a couple months so we've been um on the road a lot i've uh had some good rounds had some bad rounds and uh just trying to adapt and learn as i go is this real life kate have, i mean college you got a lot of things taken care of nebraska takes care of a lot for its student athletes now it's you is is that changed a little bit for you absolutely um i think uh, college athletes are very lucky. I was super lucky at Nebraska. I think any Big Ten school, you get treated very well. Uh, you know, now I'm, I don't know, all of a sudden I'll need my, my tires changed or I'm doing laundry in a Holiday Inn on yeah. the second floor or, you know, things come up and you have to handle them. I'm kind of my own mm-hmm. my own travel agent and uh, caddy at times. And, you know, you're wearing a lot of hats, so I'm, I'm learning a lot, but I think you knew this. Uh, you're you're a, you're a smart young woman. You've known what you know lay ahead of you when you said you're going to do this professional golf thing. Is it about what you thought? Where where does you where do you go on the, at that standpoint? Yeah, I think it's it's about what I thought. I think it's a little more challenging. I mean, you kind of get used to being one of the best in you know maybe high school or college, and then you get out here and you're with um, you know, 140 girls each week, and they are the 
best of the best from the last mm-hmm. eight years in college golf. So um, I think the level of play is um, tough to compete with. Um, but then it's really rewarding when you do um, find yourself at the top of the leaderboard or near the top, then you know that you belong. So I think the biggest change has probably been the travel. It's, it's um, a lot of being gone uh, for three, four weeks at a time, which I've never done before. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's different. Do you, do you get in your car, you drive everywhere. I'm looking at the tour schedule, and the Epson tour is like the web.com tour to the PGA tour. And I'm looking at the schedule, and you're all over the map. I mean, there's March 4th, and I'm not saying you play in all these tournaments. I'm just letting people know how the schedule works. Winter Haven, Florida, to Mesa, to Beaumont, California, back to Tucson, up to Utah, Garden City, Kansas. I'm just going down the list here. A couple in Florida, and that's where you're at now, I believe. You're coming up on the, what is it, the Innova Mission Inn and Resort Championship? Is that, that's next? Correct, yep. Okay. Do you play in, in all these tournaments? Do you drive around? How do you just set your schedule, Kate? Uh, yeah, as a rookie, it's pretty much the smartest thing to play in all of them. As uh, you know, you can get your LPGA Tour card based off your money list. So mm-hmm. I don't know. In my head, if I show up and I make $2, at least it gets me higher up on the money list. So I'm doing all 21 events or at least planning on it. Um, and, you know, veterans can kind of have the benefit of knowing, like, where they play well and where they don't play well, but I've never played in Utah before. So like I went to the Utah tournament and like, I can't really make that decision yet. So I've been um, driving and flying about like half, half and half. Okay. Uh, it's really just like a financial decision, you know, like you look at the rental car prices and then you look at gas prices and yeah. can I, you know, can I drive 21 hours to Michigan? Like maybe not, maybe I can. <laughs> so, um, it's quite quite a lot of decisions. What a life experience, and you're just starting out. Yeah, absolutely. Have you had any, going from coast to coast or, you know, things like that, What what's it been like? Uh, has it been lonely? Has it been uh, adventurous? How do you describe it? Uh, I would say, yeah, like a lot of highs and lows, I think both of it. Um, I've been trying to go to some of the national parks when I've been traveling. You know, I I don't know how long I'll be doing this. I want to make sure that I'm taking advantage of traveling and seeing mm-hmm. the country. Um, I think it's just hard because it's not in this sport. You don't have a team. Right. Um, you right. don't have a coach. So, you know, you play poorly and then you go to the hotel and, um, you know, maybe you play poorly for a few rounds. You miss the cut and then you got to drive to the next site. And how do you, how do you yourself for three or four days, pick yourself up and um, figure out how to play better the next week and make sure that week counts. And I have a lot of really lovely, supportive people that sometimes are on the road with me. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you got to be in your own corner, which I think as a golfer is naturally very hard because we tend to be pretty tough on ourselves. Right. Kate Smith is a guest. This is Jeff Kopak. This is a golf show at Gunderson Jewelers Studio in Fargo. 740 The Fan is the dial fifth largest AM signal in the country. When you go to the range, what gets the most attention these days? Gosh, I mean, uh, as far as like clubs or yeah, techniques. Or, 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 yeah, or putting, chipping, those things. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think uh, Callaway out here is really kind to the girls. The clubs, you see a lot of Callaway clubs. Um, the putting green is always packed on tour, which 
shouldn't be a surprise. That's where where you make some money. Mm-hmm. Um, the range is pretty impressive because if you stand on the range, like not one girl. I mean, the sound is so good. Like everybody strikes the ball so well. <laughs> right. So that's kind of a a big difference. But um, yeah, a lot of hard workers out here. I mean, that's I think that's why we got here is we all worked really hard, and now it's kind of like. Okay, we all work hard. We all have really good swings now who can outplay one another. Yeah, Is that like a home base of operation? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, yeah, you kind of just have to put in a ton of hours okay. on the chipping and putting green every week, um, which is kind of nice. Like, uh, each golf course is really kind that, you know, once we arrive on a Sunday or Monday, then it's pretty much ours until we leave Sunday afternoon. Okay. I'm looking at a couple stats, and everything's tracked now, by the way, so it's a different level of, and that's pro golf for you, but I like your driving distance, 274 yards, that's 34th on tour. I like the fact that you're second on tour in, in, in Eagles, or 25th in, with, with two Eagles. So you have that distance, you have that ability, so now you could build on that. Am I, I mean, is, am I on the right track there? Yeah, yeah, you're being kind and not uh, telling them my putting stats, right? <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I, I think um, most people that have played with me or coached me or been teammates like know like tee to green. I'm I'm very solid um, ball striking wise, and uh, I just need to get the the putter going and a few um, you know improvements on my short game and I definitely think yeah it's, it's very encouraging that um, there's some stats that look really good and that I think I belong out here it's just a matter of time of putting everything together yeah putting what do you do what do you some people hire a putt coach some people look at videos some people try different clubs what do you do yeah, I typically change my practice routine. Um, you know, you can practice like speed or pace or um, fundamentals or how you read the greens. And I think uh, knowing which ones you're struggling with and then figuring out how to have a practice plan that attacks those things. So I've been trying to do that, um, work on my stroke. Um, my coach from college helps or my dad helps. We kind of talk about what needs to happen. Um, and also on this tour, you know, like you said, we're kind of ping-ponging all over. You're changing grasses every week. Yeah, so yeah. that's kind of been tough for yeah. me just to figure out, you know, okay, we're on Bermuda, we're on Bent. Uh, it's it's a whole new world. Kate Smith is a guest. This is Jeff Kopak. This is a golf show as presented by Michelob Ultra on 740 The Fan. We're going to take a break. More with Kate right after this. you got to get up in the morning and head out to the practice range. And we are back. This is the golf show. Kate Smith has gone up and gone on the practice range plenty in her pro golf career, I'm guessing. She is the guest. Two more minutes with Kate. If you look on, on the LPGA Epson site, remember, Catherine Smith, too. I mean, I, when I when I search Kate, I go, oh, my God. Oh, it's Catherine, of course. So <laughs> so, so all you were looking for, for how Kate's doing, you can search her full name, too. Are you still doing the graphics thing? I know last time we talked last year on this show, you were just finishing uh, your graphics major, and I think you were doing something with that. Yeah, no, I um, am. We have a business. My partner and I, uh, Shane Bacon, he's a um, golf channel broadcaster, and we do 
um, mostly golf related design projects. So that's, that's been really fun and takes, um, takes my mind off the golf. It's called a GUR design. So a play on, you know, ground under repair design for, oh, wow. for so, those golfers out there. Yeah. So you're double dipping. I am. I am. When do you have Keep time to do that? Busy. Yeah. When do you have time to do that? Uh, you have a lot of time typically on tour as far as like, um, you want to take like the Monday off in between events and then you might just have like a Wednesday where you just practice. Um, and then, you know, you have the morning afternoon wave. So sometimes you're sitting like I had a, I had a three seventeen tea time last week because of a rain delay. So mm-hmm. it's a lot of time in the morning. So hopefully, you know, there's usually pockets of time where I can devote to other things. Is that kind of a stress relief? At times, yes. Uh, uh, other times, you know, I'm I'm held accountable by by clients and projects, but okay. I think it <laughs> yeah. feels like a little bit more control than golf. I mean, uh-huh. golf you can have a lot of control, but um, you know, you have different weather conditions and different uh, just different things that happen when you're on the golf course. So uh, you kind of feel like you, you can't control much at times. Have you made friends on the tour? I know Amy said that's one of the things that helps with her over the years that has helped with her that she, she got to know some players pretty well and you get to bounce some things off and you know, it's just not you and, and the rest of the world. Have you made, is it too soon? Have you made some good friends? Yeah, no, it's actually been um, really good. I think quite a few of us rookies kind of hang out and um, a few girls I know from the Midwest or from um, Texas where I do a lot of practicing. And so it, it's, it's been good. I think, um, if you find the right people, the camaraderie can be really nice mm-hmm. uh, just because you're all going through the same thing. Um, and it's awesome for me because I get to get to know a lot of girls from other countries and um, other circumstances. So perspective is always nice. On that note, Kate, how would you compare the difference in intensity of a college tournament versus the intensity of a professional tournament? Oh, wow. Um, I would say it's kind of night and day. Like, you know, if it's like 20 miles per hour, it's a college tournament, a uh, uh, professional tournaments, like a hundred miles an hour. Oh, wow. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's very similar. Like you're still doing the same thing, but, um, the pressure of just like going through a whole week of, um, work and play. And then you go home after, you know, two days with no paycheck. And, um, you know, some of those things is completely different. And, college you had teammates rooting for you and you're all wearing the same outfit and <laughs> it's right. all paid for. So I yeah. think it's all, yeah. it's, it's really quite different. I think it's more different than I thought. Um, but on the same note, like what got you here, what got everybody on the tour, um, you, you can't forget that even though the circumstances are a little different. You have to remind yourself that you're one of the best players in the country and that you deserve to be there and that golf is a game of failure by nature that it's so hard to succeed anyway, do you have to continue to remind yourself that this is, this is hard. What I'm doing is hard. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something every golfer can relate to. You know, we all step up to the driving range or the practice tee and you look over maybe the first tee, you're like, huh, do I belong today? You know, am I good enough today for this circumstance? And um, that feeling has never changed, but yeah, it's tough to, you know, you might be, I've missed a few cuts, um, and I made a few cuts, but when you're getting mm-hmm. 60th or 70th, like, well, this feels pretty bad. But then you re- you have to, yeah, remind yourself, like, well, 
I'm only I'm in the top 300 girls that are playing professional golf still. It's right. still pretty good. Absolutely, absolutely. Doesn't get you anything that week. Well, I, I mean, how many golf? How many golfers from Minnesota, female golfers, have made the pros? It's something I don't know if that stats out there, but can't be very many, I don't think. Yeah, well, in between, you know, I I know people from Minnesota. Like, I mean, Sarah Burnham was out there. Yeah, not a very many, and we've only had a few from University of Nebraska. Whereas, you know, some of the girls, it's like other professional sports. Like, there's a whole powerhouse from Duke out here, or UCLA, or USC, and um, you know, it's easy to to have people you know do it. But yeah, we don't have a lot from Minnesota, and hopefully, there's more and. Mm-hmm. People see that they can do it. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a small crowd. Before I let you go, Kate Smith is a guest. This is Jeff Kopak on the Golf Show on 107.3 FM, 740. The fan is the AM signal. Before I let you go, Kate, a couple things from up here. That North Dakota started a Mr. and Miss, Miss Golf, which is uh, winners we announced here in the next uh, two or three weeks. You're a former Miss Golf in Minnesota. What does that bring to an individual the attention just in general to have a state to have a Mr. and Miss Golf? Yeah, I think it's wonderful. Um, I think it, it gives anything that can give, um, you know, the athletes at a young age, that extra motivation to, you know, practice that extra hour every day or mm-hmm. um, sign up for that extra tournament. I think it's great for the community. And, um, I, you know, I'm, so proud of that title and kind of put it on your resume for, you know, for those kids being like recruiting purposes or, um, you know, maybe sponsorships. So if they ever turn professional, it, it all helps. So I think it's great and shows the growing uh, culture of golf in the, you know, Fargo-Moorhead area. And it's great. One of your Lakers has made the list this year. McKenna Mallow is uh, going to Northern Iowa as a, as a finalist for, at least on the golf watch list, anyway, for Miss Golf. The tradition Great. continues, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, she, I think she just shot even yesterday at uh, at a meet. So it's cool to see uh, see all the talent coming up. It's great. Why do you think that is? Why why the tradition? Boy, um, I mean, I think per capita, it's like amazing how many golf courses we have in certain areas, and really good golf courses. I mean, you could take the public golf courses around. You know, maybe it's a Headwaters or uh, um, meadows, and you yep. compare that to a public golf course in like Florida or Texas, and it's amazing how good the golf courses are up there. Um, I think there's very supportive communities. Like, I mean, we were really lucky in our community that the mm-hmm. Booster Club supported with, you know, maybe new golf bags every once in a while or rain gear. And I think the culture of athletics up there is really impressive, especially as I travel. It's just amazing how much. Um, people really want to see, you know, young athletes succeed in the area. And not many people know that Adam Thielen, I think he was a better high school golfer than football player, or at least it was close. I mean, he was on a state yeah, championship no, team. Was, yeah, he was on the, uh, I think my brother was on his team. And yeah, it, it was, uh, he was a good golfer. Probably still is. Probably doesn't doesn't get to practice golf as much, but... Are you able gonna stop in and, and get some Lake Country time and get some hometown time this year, or just too busy? Schedule won't allow it. No, I'm uh, I'm making it work. I go to Harris, Michigan, okay, in June, and it's only an eight hour drive from Detroit Lake. So I will be coming over after that. I'll, I think I'll be there um, 
end of June, beginning of July, and hopefully help out with some of the clinics and see some people while I'm home. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, I see that. So Harris, Michigan, June 24th to 26th, and there's a break over the 4th. So yep. you're taking advantage I'll of that. I'll be home. <laughs> That'll be good. Kate, best of luck. Uh, continued success. Keep working at it, man. I know it's not easy, but uh, everybody's pulling for you. So keep at it. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Thanks. for having me. Thanks. That's Kate Smith. This is Jeff Kopak. This is the Golf Show. When we come back, Corey Herlickson from Oxbow Country Club joins the show. Stay with us. Did you hit it twice? Chili Dipper. Did you hit it twice? Chili Dipper. We are back. This is Jeff Kopak. This is the Golf Show on 740 The Fan, 107.3 FM. 740TheFan.com is your web address where you can catch the podcast anytime, anywhere. Thanks again for Kate Smith for joining us in the first half of the show. Kate's always been a pleasure to talk to for, God, it seems like so many years now. We now segue on to another gentleman who's been on our show many years. Corey Herlickson is a head professional down South Fargo in Oxbow Country Club, which, of course, has been in the news over the years, but not anymore because the place is smooth sailing. Good morning, Curly. Curly. Corey, how are you? Not bad. Let's change it to Curly. That's it. That's fine with me. I kind of the three stooge, one of the two, one of the three of them. <laughs> right. Give us the uh, overview of Oxbow coming out of the winter. Uh, it came through very well. Uh, last year, you know, we had a lack of snow cover. Yep. And the location that we're at, we clearly don't have a lot of trees and development out here. So um, it came through uh, in a different condition last winter than it did uh, this winter because we had some actual snow cover. There was Areas on the north side of hills that uh, we had a little bit of turf damage in regard to grass that we had to do some little bit of airification to get it to come back. It came back well, uh, mm-hmm. but if we don't have snow cover, it's a little rough, and, and we obviously had plenty in the Fargo area this yep. year, so we got lucky. Uh, you've been full going off, what, three, four years? I lose track of time. Uh, fourth year, fifth season. Okay. What is a general time frame for a course to, quote, unquote, grow up and really just be – plush and full grown and feeling like you don't have to, you know, patch things here and there. What's a time frame for that? Typically it's over five years. Okay. Um, you know, a good example is I remember, uh, uh, the uh, most recent course in the area was uh, when King's block opened up, mm-hmm. um, you know, around year six, I started noticing like, Oh man, this thing is full in. And, uh, you know, it is, it is a mature golf course now. And we've been extremely lucky, uh, with the way that things have come through here, the the real only issue that we had after uh, opening up the uh, the full 18 holes was our our third and fourth hole. We had some stubborn grass in the fairway that just didn't want to come in full, so mm-hmm. we went cart paths only on that for quite a while, and we opened it up last year in June to uh, being able to drive the carts on that, and, and then ever since we we've uh, haven't had any issue in the in the courses in phenomenal shape. Is there an advantage to planting new grass that you want and it's and it's fresh? It's it's the exact nature of grass that you want. Is there an advantage to that? Yeah, it, you know, for us specifically out here, Jeff, if I have my numbers correct, we've got almost sixty percent more in acreage of mowing than we did at our old golf course. Wow! So, with that being in mind, we obviously are going to spend a heck of a lot more time mowing in in order to mitigate that increase in sizing 
we decided to go with a different strand of grass. We went with the slow growth bluegrass in the fairway mm-hmm. that, you know, we don't have to mow it every day. We can go every other day uh, mowing a nine holes. So uh, it lets us get away with a lot more going with that specific strand, you know. So you look at your environment of what you have, the resources you have available, and what you can get done, and, and you want to work around that. Wow, with, with gas prices the way they are these days, that sounds like a lot of savings, too, over the summer. It is. I mean, a good example, Jeff, is the, the 16th hole, which is that 656-yard par 5. Yep. No. That wow. hole, for one person to mow it, is two hours. Wow. Yep. That's, that's a lot of, that's a lot of uh, drive time there. It is. I was out there earlier this week doing a story on John Dahl and Josh Persons who are hooking up in a two-man tournament with the Russ Newman Invitational this weekend at the Fargo Country Club. And uh, a couple of things struck me. One, the course looks beautiful from the road, absolutely gorgeous. And number two, it seems like the time between I leave wherever in Fargo and by the time I get to, get to Oxbow, it just seems less and less and keep in mind, I'm a guy who remembers from the 70s driving from Fargo out to Oxbow, and it just seemed like halfway to Wapiton, or maybe it is, but it just seemed a lot longer. Is that a – am I wrong there? No, you're dead right. And In fact, we had a board meeting this morning, and that was one of the things that we discussed uh, with the board in regard to strategic planning in the future was the fact that the growth in Fargo is going south, and it mm-hmm. just seems like every – Every year it gets a little bit closer and a little bit closer. And, and if, if you really go from the southernmost spot in Fargo to where we're at, I, I did it yesterday, and it was roughly seven minutes. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Because I remember I, I put it the, the address into my GPS, just wondering. I didn't know if there was detours or whatever, and usually a GPS will, will tell you that. So I, I just put, put it in my phone in the GPS, and it said something like 12 minutes. <laughs> I go, that's it? Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. And it's always probably been 12 minutes. It just seemed like a longer 12 minutes. Corey Herlickson is a guest. This is Jeff Kopak. I look at your course, Corey, and I think of tradition, but I think of new. Is this the balance uh, that we're seeing now? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, what we wanted to do was we wanted to make sure that uh, there were some things in the old golf course built in to the new golf course, but at the same time, we didn't want you to go back and, say, hey, is this hole the way it used to be? Or, mm-hmm. you know, we wanted to be, okay, we've got a couple of holes that we're routing through, but we wanted it to look completely different. And, you know, at the same time, bring some of the traditions that we had within the club forward uh, as well. So, you know, it's, it's anytime you redo a full golf course, things are going to completely change. And, and mm-hmm. it's a matter of how much do you want it to change and, and how much do you want to bring from, from the past forward? And, you know, if you look at Southern Hills, what they did, uh, with that, uh, with that change that uh, Gil Hans did, there, there, there's some changes there, and there's some differences there, and, mm-hmm. and that's what the club is looking for—a little continuity, but some upgrades to things. I asked you this last year, and I'm always, I'm always, I'm always curious to to the old version that got uh, put back into the Red River, so to speak, put back into nature. Is there still signs left of a course? Uh, I, I feel like it's an archaeological question. There, it, it's. If you know the course, you can look over the levee and you can yep. see and go, okay, I remember that the 9 and 18 green were here. I remember the clubhouse was here. I remember um, the 3 green was here, and that's the fairway for 3 green, and this mm-hmm. used to be 6. But um, the way that it's been shaped, uh, it's changed things a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see where the water used to be. 
So if you remember what it looked like, you could see it. But yeah. if you had not ever seen it, you went back there. You, you would, would have no idea. You really would. Nope, yep. not a clue. You mentioned earlier about the long-range plan of the course. Any thoughts there? Long-range plans, visions of Oxbow? Yeah, one of the things that we want to do is we want to continue to grow the things that we're offering to our membership. Uh, you know, one of the things that we just recently did is we approved uh, the purchase of two more TrackMan simulators. We already have one, mm-hmm. so we will have three. We know that from the popularity of the one that we have had for three years that we definitely need more. And so, you know, we're going to grow that as an amenity. Uh, another thing that uh, we want to do, and this is big plans. I mean, this is the pie in the sky type of a deal because we want to add fitness on. We okay. want to add potentially daycare, things of that nature that are going to be utilized and that the membership is going to feel uh, the value added to their membership from those things. Those are the things that we're looking to do. Well, instead of a six-month facility, it's a 12-month facility. Yeah, if we could somehow find a way to make a par three course uh, work within that, that, that's definitely one of the top things to try to to attract uh, more of our youthful and beginning golfers because we know that our golf course is a more difficult course to play. We've made modifications to it by setting up tees that are forward of our forward tees, level one, level two, level three type of thing. Mm -hmm. But uh, if you have a course with no water and maybe only a bunker on a hole, it it would be certainly a little easier for the, the newer golfer to play. Is there any space to do that? There is. It's currently owned by other people, um, mm-hmm. some of which uh, may or may not be members. Uh, so, yep. mm-hmm. you know, we've got to at least come up with the capital to do that, but it is something that we would like to do uh, sometime in the future. What does your junior program consist of right now? What do, what do you got going? We do, well, we've got our junior camp, and that thing is close to being sold out. So we'll have uh, 57, and not, 57 to 9-year-olds and 50. 10 to 13 year olds participating in that. It's a week long camp. And then we have PGA junior league, got a couple of teams, 20 golfers on that. We do junior clinics on Tuesday mornings, Tuesday nights, Wednesday mornings. We got a a four to six year old clinic on uh, Thursdays. We've got some uh, kid camps as well. So, I mean, it is a, it's a growing area. Uh, It's an area where we have opened up new classes and every time we open them, it fills up in like five minutes. (laughs) So it's an area of, of significant growth. Our our average new member over the last couple of years, family, has averaged 3.1 kids. Yeah. So if that tells you anything, I mean, there's a lot of growth in juniors, and it's starting to show in our junior program. And before I let you go for this segment, um, you have the advantage of John Dahl being back as a director of golf and, and one of the country's best teachers of golf. Do you, hey, do you still teach, and what, what's, uh, how cool is it to still have John? He doesn't give it up, man. He's He's out there grinding away. Jeff, he is he is so incredibly passionate about golf and, and specifically instruction with golf. Um, you know, he's a mad scientist with coming up with new ways to try to teach and new gadgets that equipment that people can use. And it's it's an absolute joy to go out there and just watch him give lessons. I don't get a huge opportunity to with mm-hmm. my right. work that I have to do in my lessons that I give, but when I do, I always learn something new. And he just keeps coming back, and and he's got a client base that is very loyal to him. And he has put out, you know, over the years, as you are aware, and I'm aware, if you're not aware of the, of the golf industry here, he's put out hundreds of great golfers that have played collegiate and high school golf. I mean, he's got a long history of that. And 
you're right. We are very lucky to have him continue to work with us here, uh, you know, in the summertime when he comes back. Spring and summertime, I should say. No doubt about that. Don't go away. This is Jeff Kopak. This is a golf show at Gunderson Jewelers Studio in the KFGO building in Fargo. Corey Herlickson back after this. Final segment in the last show of May. This is Jeff Kopak. This is the Golf Show as presented by Michelob Ultra. Corey Herlickson is the guest, the head professional at Oxbow Country Club. Corey, I want to switch gears a little bit. You're a, you're a great PGA Tour mind. What has surprised you, if anything, so far this year on the tour? Um, I would say that, well, I, I don't... <laughs> The, what surprises me is Tom Hoagie has put together back-to-back um, great starts to the year, last year and this year. And I don't mean that in the sense of I don't think he could do it. Yeah, it's hard to do. It's just a hard thing to do. And to there, there's got to be something to either resetting for the year for him or the golf courses he plays at the start of the year. Because he gets off the – he got a great start last year and a great start this year. And it's nice for him to be able to re, relax to a degree – know that he's getting into all the really good fields and that he's got a nice base to start off with. And that if he starts missing some cuts in the, in the more difficult tournaments that he's still got those FedEx cup points, uh, you know, his back pocket. Um, I, uh, the way that Will Zalatoris has played, you know, he came out of nowhere last year playing in Augusta and taking second. And I, I mean, there were a lot of people, me included that had no idea who this kid is. And it's like, okay, is he a one-off guy or is, Mm-hmm. He's going to continue to grow as a golfer, and he has really, really grabbed hold of it. He obviously proved himself at the PGA, um, another second-place finish in a major. So those are the two things that have stood out to me. Uh, also, Tiger making the cut and then uh, making the cut again at the two majors this year. I, I did not expect him to make the cut at the PGA. I did at the Masters because he knows the course, but not at the uh, PGA. So I'm, I'm really happy that he was able to do that. Man, he looked rough, though, on Saturday before with a drawing on Sunday morning and saying that's enough, the pain is too much. Do we see him again the rest of the summer? What's the feeling? Well, I know, he's, I know he's committed to the Open Championship because it's at St. Andrews. Yep. Um, you know, that course is a flat course, so it's going to be a little easier for him to get around. But I, I think he is right now truly evaluating whether he is going to be able to do this moving forward or not. It could be um, he goes and plays the, uh, the open championship and uh, that's his swan song. And he walks away after that and says, you know, I, I proved myself. I made the cut, but I can't physically do this in, in quality of life, especially with children growing up and, and him only being 46 years old. You, you, that's something you have to evaluate. I mean, how long do you want to press on this or, and, and maybe not get around look like Earl Campbell Oh. With drop foot, hardly being able to get upstairs. I once saw Earl Campbell walk after retirement, and I just it just hurt. Look, watching him try to it's walk. Terrible. But I don't think we've seen the last of Tiger. And the reason I say it is this: A, he's forty six, like you just mentioned. B, the competitive nature of a guy like that. I just can't see him hanging out and watching TV and 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 just playing recreationally. I just don't think he's wired that way. Whether it's a year, two years, three years, I think we see certainly one more comeback. Maybe later this year, maybe mid-year, I don't know. But I can't imagine a guy of that mentality just saying, I'm not going to be in the public spotlight anymore. I think there's a there's a drug there that is it's too hard to give up. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it's the same thing that, uh, you know, when guys retire from uh, hockey and football, what, what the thing the same is, is not necessarily playing, it's the locker room. Well, I think for him, 
you don't have the locker room, but you've got the grind. You know, the, 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 that, that goal that's out there that you're always trying to attain and trying to get better and better and better, which he has continually done through his career. So, I mean, you know, one scenario could be he plays in the open and then he just takes the rest of the winter off and he really works on his physical therapy to see if he can get himself back into shape. Because, you know, if you think about it, it, it hasn't been that long that he was at a point where he, you know, potentially could have lost a leg in mm-hmm. that accident. Yeah. You know, it takes time to come back from an injury like that. He's gotten to this point. Hopefully he continues to get stronger and he's able to move forward because he's great for the game when he plays in tournaments. There's no doubt about that. Well, I ask all you 10, 20 handicappers out there driving around, listening on your radio or checking it out on the podcast here, how many of you have played four straight days and walked four straight days just once? You know, it's not it's not easy to do. It's not. It's not. Especially when you're not in shape for it. <laughs> I know, exactly. Getting back to the PGA, it was a first as Hoagie's first top 10. Again, I think that's another step for him in the ascension of being a top elite player. It's another step for him maybe winning a major. And oh, by the way, he did qualify, and it came out official this week, that he did qualify for the British Open for the first time. And we, we thought he did, and we thought he would, but until you get the official word, it's you know, it's, I guess it's not set in stone. What is it about going over the pond that will further Tom's career and confidence? Well, one of the things that he has an, adva- has an advantage is he grew up in North Dakota and he plays golf in Texas. You know, it's windy up here, it's windy down there, and it's windy over the pond. So mm-hmm. he's got that. He's a, he's a very, very good iron striker. And if you want to play in that type of wind, you have got to hit the ball well. Um, another thing is uh, the, the greens over there don't roll at uh, an incredibly fast rate, similar to uh, the way they do here. So if you have a poor putting week, you can get away with it a little bit. And Mm. one of the challenges that he's had has been his putting. Mm -hmm. He changed putters, uh, and uh, that really kind of catapulted him on his win. And uh, he's maintained to a degree uh, where he wants to be, uh, not where he used to be as far as not being as good. So if he does that, this is going to be another major he plays in that will help him build some more confidence. And you know, you got to learn how to win in these things. Like the British Open, if you if you ever listen to Tiger Woods talk about golf over there during the British Open, is you have to understand what the ground is going to do with your ball. As much the wind, but what is the ground going to do with your ball when it lands? And if he's willing to understand that and accept that, it, it will allow him to mature faster as a as a player over there, and uh, maybe put him in another chance to finish in a top ten and continue to grow the confidence. And and that is a huge swing for you know the next few years in your career feeling like hey i can compete in these things um rather than can i compete in these things it goes a long way for a golfer to, to feel that way what do you mean by the ground like will it roll forever like the road hole or it's hard to hit off what do you mean by that well one the turf is is, is firm it's yep. sandy but firm um but when your ball hits the ground it reacts completely differently than it does here the, the closest example that i could give in this area of the way that the ball would react is our golf course here out at Oxbow because it plays firm and it plays fast, but we do not have the rolliness that they have subtle moves where you hit a ball on the left side of the fairway and all of a sudden it'll catch a little shape and it'll pull the ball all the way over the right-hand side and there could be a pot bunker over there. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to know where the ball is going to roll when it lands on the fairways, whereas on our courses here on the state side, for the most part, you hit it, you know where it's going to go, there it's a totally different story because there's so much more subtle movement in in the uh, way they are 
and it's firm and it's fast. So when you hit the ball, it continues to roll out. It doesn't hit and just stop when you're playing driver or three wood off the tee or even two iron. The ball releases like crazy, and you've got to know where it's going. I wonder if he goes over there a week early. Would you? I would, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd skip that week before. Some of those guys will go over and they'll play that. Uh, yeah, the Scottish the one. The Scottish yep. Open before. Yep. And that gives them an idea. If he hasn't played uh, St. Andrews before, uh, a good idea would be to get there early and play that thing a few times rather than maybe playing the Scottish, give himself a week off, deal with the jet lag, get that out of the way. That's why guys have been going and doing the Scottish. They'll come with two weeks before, lag it, Scottish, and then do the British Open. It gives them an opportunity. So. I think he goes either way, but you know, you, if you haven't played that course, you need to go play because you need to know what's going on. Now, before I let you, let you go, I was going to ask this uh, actually a few minutes earlier. Uh, Mato Pereira, he's going into 18 with a one-shot lead. It's a pretty short par four. Do you use driver there? He obviously felt comfortable doing it. You know, the shot that he tried to hit was he tried to hit a pull cut and he tried to hit it low. Mm-hmm. And I was I was actually. Um, we were at um, at Russ Nelson's house uh, doing the celebration of life for his, his late wife, Barb. Mm-hmm. And uh, John Dahl's to the right of me. Larry Murphy's to the right of him. Russ is kind of chit-chatting with some people, sitting with some other golfers. And as soon as that swing was made, we as the golfers. You guys all knew. <laughs> oh, we just went, oh, no. And it was a matter of how far right is this thing going. And then yeah. they showed the replay. And what he did is he, he, tried to, he tried to hit, you know, get his path going from out to in. And just trap the ball a little bit with the driver and hit it low and with a little bit of a cut. His problem was he didn't get his hands turned over and he left the face very open and the ball just, it started going right, right, right. Yeah, and that was one ugly swing. Going. Yep. So I think his strategy was correct. It was just when you get in that position, Jeff, mm-hmm. you have to understand how your the, the nerves are going to make your body work. And if you have never been in that situation, which I, he's never been, you sometimes don't know, and you think you can hit shots that you're just not going to if you haven't been there before. And I think that's what happened if he just didn't pull it off because of the yep. nerves that he had. Well, now he knows. Corey, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks. That's Corey Herlickson, the head professional at Oxbow Country Club. That'll do it for this edition of the Golf Show. This is Jeff Kopak on 740 The Fan. Until next week, hit him straight.